usually followed by the like water gun emoji. Hi, friend. So this episode was inspired by a handful of questions from my spark session peeps. And obviously that year that we shall not mention impacted those of us who work with people or like, you know, work <laughs> like a lot. This is not intended to be a cure all. I am not trying to blame any business owner who opted out. Uh, I actually applaud those who went, you know what? This is too fucking hard. Good for you. But for those of us psychos, suckers, dreamers, rebels who are here trying to get it done, wanting to support our people, our buyers, clients, and customers, especially those of us who are service-oriented, who work one-on-one with people in the physical presence of people. I'm going to try and answer some of your questions in terms of how do we, how do we make this work? Where? Work from anywhere, work from home, work with people. Again, this is just going to be my perspective on things. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not suggesting you need to apply any of this. If some of it resonates with you, fantastic. If not, you have full permission to hit that square button that it's like, you know, enables you to stop hearing the sound of my voice. <laughs> Otherwise, let's let's get right into it because I think these questions are super powerful. If someone asks them, you probably need to hear it or at least some of my my rambling. First things first, you need to do what works for you and you need to feel safe. You need to feel secure. And uh, you're always going to start there. You'll have heard me talk about the seven levels. That's the first level. And so if if we're not honoring that, it's going to be really hard for us to grow. For anyone who is doing hands-on in-person work who doesn't feel safe to do that, you have full permission to pivot. I did a whole training on pivoting, so I'm not even going to get into it. There, There is always an advantage move. And I'm sorry if that's triggering. I'm not suggesting you're not doing it enough or you're not trying hard enough or you're fucking up. All I'm saying is that when you think outside of the box, you will find unique opportunities. The amount of consultants, businesses that I have worked with who said you could never do it virtually, who after 12 very hard months have come around and realized there's a huge amount of work that can be done virtually is staggering. Now, again, if that's not something you want to do, no worries. The question is, what can you do? What I will say is fear will keep you from doing anything. Asking yourself, this is Byron Katie's The Work, you know, how true is this? Do I know this to be true in every single scenario? Who am I without this thought? What action might I take? will be an interesting exploration for you if you are feeling like there is no way you can do the work that you do at all. A yoga teacher, she's one of my yoga mentors. I have no idea. And I'm going to say her name because she is a fucking legend, Ms. Ducky Punch. If y'all can track her down because she is now doing virtual offerings. I cannot recommend her high. Spirit Form Yoga dot online, something like that. Hit me up because I cannot recommend her and um, Adam highly enough. Ducky held out for a long, firstly, she hates technology and the internet. (laughs) And secondly, she just didn't think it could work. That led her to not being able to work for a really long time. How do you approach this idea that you feel like you cannot do the work that you do unless it's done exactly the way that you have come to know it? And I would just simply say, test it 
test some different strategies, test it out on people that you feel safe with, test it out with someone who can help you in terms of a potential platform or technology gap or skills gap. There are so many places where you can access learning and support. I mean, and like start with your local library. For those people who are rallying against tech, it's going to be hard. I mean, this is a podcast, so you're probably you're probably not one of those people. I think you'd be shocked at the resources that are actually in your backyard. And if you struggle with any kind of social anxiety or public places, especially, you know, during a pandemic, a lot of that stuff is online. You can still call your local librarian. You can still call like your local YMCA. As much as I, like I want to talk shit about some of our social and public services, it's it's actually shocking uh, what's out there. I built a grant database of over 200 different grants that are available for profit businesses, and I just stopped at 200. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of work for me. <laughs> the point being, if your brain is telling you there's no way you can do it and there's no support out there, that is not true you have a choice to start exploring different resources that are available for you. Okay. I'm going to get off that fucking soapbox because you're, this is probably not you. I just want to make sure I'm like being inclusive. I can sometimes uh, I've had a few clients tell me that like I rush past the emotional <laughs> feels part and get straight into like the strategy and growth part. Cause that's just where my brain always goes. Hopefully I've addressed the, uh, the level ones in the room. We can get on to how to, Okay. Monetization of your work. Now in another episode, I talk a lot about how money is make-believe and not to say like, we don't need it. We live in a material world. Everything is bought and exchanged with money, but the value that we've attributed it was something that, you know, thousands of years ago, a couple people in charge decided like this was worth that. And this, that was worth this. And um, money is zeros and ones typically in a computer. And it's, it does not determine value. If money is not your motivator, using it as the thing that you need to grow your business or grow your lifestyle is not going to work for you. I worked with visionaries for most of, I mean, I still work with visionaries. They were called artists in the first 20 years. And I, I kind of believe everyone's an artist, but I digress. There is a reason that if you are of service, whether you're you know, a healthcare worker or a therapist or an energy worker if you're an artist, if you're a creative, if you are a visionary, that money might not motivate you. Your work was never intended to be bought and sold. It was meant to make this world a better place and impact connection. Emotional experiences are likely going to be more useful to you in terms of your drivers. And I've talked a lot about this. You need to tie the metrics for your success into activities you are in control of. So as an example, sales, you cannot make somebody buy. Now, lots of fucking gurus and online people are going to argue with me about that. Fine. Go pay them $25,000 for a day and see how you feel after it. Now, and also like see how it transforms your experience over the long run. You need to find the metrics that firstly define success for you, not your parents, not your teachers, not your friends, not culture at large. And then you need to reverse engineer those success metrics into activities you can actually control. So, you know, and then how will you motivate you? It's funny. I was talking with a client the other day who has been wild. I mean, like, actually I was like, fuck you, man, for being so successful. Like, why is it so easy for you? 
Yeah, he he was complaining about once you're your own boss, there's no one checking on you. The the way you engage with your team is different and you know the money wasn't his problem and he was like incredibly unmotivated and you know he's telling me this while he's like packing up to go on some like long adventure and skiing. Uh maybe you don't get to go on your adventures until the work is done and he was like, "Oh, Oh, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it like that. Like that's his motivation is to be able to pack up and get in his fancy vehicle and, you know, go on an adventure for four days whenever he wants. So he can do that as often as he wants when the work is done. It might seem obvious as I'm sharing this with you, but it's interesting how much like we can block ourselves and get, get in our own way. So if money isn't your driver, firstly, congratulations, you've like graduated to the next, like you're fucking, you're at the the final level of the game. So find what is, and then try to frame your work and your activities in terms of that. Use that as the way to motivate you to push and grow and try new things and expand. Yeah. And also like full permission to keep that thing you love a passion project. You don't have to sell it. I can't tell you how many fucking creatives I have worked with and how many visionaries who have this like superpower. And what happens is, is when all of your friends and family witness that they say like, you should sell that because again, we don't know how to value something unless there's a dollar on it. You don't have to sell it. You can make it for you. You can give it away. You can trade it. You can donate it. Like there are so many things you can do with, I'm just going to call it your art, whatever that might be. This is mine. Jibber jabbering. Hence the podcast. I can talk for fucking days. I have a lot of ideas about things. Apparently people like listening to it. Apologies. <laughs> like if that's not doing it for you again, use that square button. You can stop anytime. Yeah. Harness your superpower and then put it out there. And if you get strapped for time, you know, this is where like, like we started attributing value for things. Like if you grow, if you're a farmer, there are three to six months out of the year when you can't sell your shit. If you are not a farmer, you need food. <laughs> like, so I could trade you my business coaching or like accounting services for your, the things that you're growing. But if I'm at capacity and I don't have time, like I can also just buy your shit from you. You know, that's, that's what's going down in terms of these exchanges. You, you are able to do something somebody else isn't. You love doing something that somebody else hates. That's where this exchange can happen. Full permission to not sell your, your passion. That is a, a very, a very obvious construct that we all participate in, but you, you, you you can do whatever the fuck you want. Please know that. So now, you know, the flip side of it is in business, there is the exchange of money. So I do, you know, once somebody decides they want to monetize that superpower, it becomes a different game. And this is another reason why I, I always encourage, especially artists to leave the art for art's sake, because once we put a dollar sign on it, it changes. And it stops being just about you and your creative process. There are expectations on that exchange of money for a product, service, or idea. So step into that knowingly and 
you're going to need to define what it is that business means to you. And this looks different for everybody. This is why all those systems and, and gurus online, like don't fucking solve your problem because what works for them or what's worked for some of their people may or may not work for you. And you are going to have to adapt it regardless of even if it does work, you're going to need to adapt it to your own needs, your own way of working and the own results that you are seeking. So with that, understand like some people need to have a certain amount of money coming in all of the time. Those like paychecks, people love paychecks because it gives them this certainty, right? And security. Now I have my own thoughts on how make believe that is, but you can, you can create that in your own business. And I don't know where we've decided that having a day job fucking sucks. A day job can be freedom. A day job can enable you to do everything that you love. And it doesn't have to be soul sucking. It also doesn't even have to be toxic. Like you can just show up, get it fucking done, collect that paycheck, and then use that money as a tool to access everything else that you want. If you can do that, you have gamed the system, my friend. Now, for those of us who can't, (laughs) I am one of those people. I'm really bad at showing up and, and doing the thing. So I learned that like at first I needed a certain amount of income coming in. And that looked like contract work. Every now and again, it looked like an actual, like I would go and get the job, um, especially if I needed a chunk of money fast in order to, to do what I wanted to do. So often like that mix of guaranteed, you know, consistent money and then money that we're trying to grow and then products we're trying to test, products being services, ideas, actual tangible products, whatever it is that you sell, you know, it, it takes a while to kind of refine that mix. And it, in my experience, it's also an evolutionary process. So even though we might be making most of our money from like one-on-one services, we can then start to create a product, grow that product, make that product available for purchase. And then that can become something that becomes a sustainable source of income for us. We might also wake up one day and decide we hate that thing and we're going to take it down and we've got to start over with that. So again, it's an evolutionary process. Your mix is going to look however you need it to look. I very much encourage you to create a situation that gives you enough security so that you can also play in a, let's just say like risky space. Some of us, I've heard it referred to as a fuck you fund, AKA savings. We need to just have X amount in the bank. That's now how I operate. As long as I've got six months worth of living expenses in the bank, I can do whatever the fuck I want. For others of us, it is a contract gig. It is a retainer. It is royalties. It is a certain amount of month coming in every month or quarter. Uh, For others of us, it really is a day job. There's no right or wrong. And you are allowed to switch that up. So many people that I know took on a different level of work and a different level of commitment after the year that we shall not mention, because it just, they realize like they, they are not able to grow and survive without a certain level of money coming in. And um, when the rug got pulled out from under them, it scared them enough to, to seek me out. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But to, to, to shift up the mix, to shift up their, their success matrix. The last thing I kind of want to circle around just in regards to the, the questions that I got and some answers is, you know, what is this new when we switch up how we've been working, how do you avoid burnout? How do you avoid freaking out? How do you avoid making like detrimental decisions in your business? And I'm going to kind of bring this back to the pivot. Now I did a massive training, not quite a year ago during the year that we shall not mention because everyone was going on about pivoting. 
And sometimes the internet buzzwords, it's like trigger, like it, they trigger me. <laughs> I, they push my buttons because pivot is a part of traditionally tech startup projects. It is part of their strategy. They realize that three months into beta testing, six months into product soft launch, a year into hard launch, they are going to a need to pivot their strategy because the product they created will need to be improved. Their marketing strategy will need to be fine tuned. And in order to hit their next growth targets, they're going, they're planning strategy updates, AKA pivots. Now, uh, a pivot is not a 180 degree turn in your business. It is not going from being a masseuse to making masks. It is not about, um, I'm sorry, that is a pivot is masseuse masks. I uh, was thinking like, it is like restaurants doing like takeaway. That's, that is adjusting your service offerings. Um, it is not doing like this complete abandonment of everything we knew that worked and trying something completely unknown to see if that's going to work. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is, that is, um, you know, distilleries doubling down on making um, hand sanitizer because they already produce alcoholic products. Very creative. In my mind, not necessarily a pivot, but that might just be how I think about things. So anywho, uh, I'll get, I, I digress. How many times do you think in an episode I can say I digress or I'll get off my soapbox? You like win a prize. So understanding what you are willing to do and willing to test in your business is firstly the path to growth, but secondly, ask your customers, ask the people who have been buying from you, like, where are they at? What are they struggling with? How can you continue to help them? Letting the people who already support you and are loyal to you answer these questions is incredibly powerful. You're bringing them into the process, which creates loyalty and trust. And you're working with people who already are willing to spend money and invest in what you do. And so that they're going to, they're going to be in just very resourceful for that. Like I, I just kind of keep one the person who asked me this question originally is a masseuse. And it's like, well, how do I keep providing massage services if I can't work one-on-one -on -one with people? Where else do can massage show up? I know there's associations. I know there's teaching. I know that there is the opportunity to connect with other different partners and people. Like, are you willing to continue servicing like potentially a very small group of clients, your core group of clients, if everyone's agreeing to socially distance or, you know, whatever it might be, there are different ways of thinking about how can I keep making the money that I know I can make? And then how can I grow other opportunities in order to keep keep my head above water. And where is the support? Where can I get some assistance? How are other masseuse like, and massage therapists dealing with this? You know, reaching out to your community and network can will at least give you some different ways of thinking about it. When you're stuck in that level one or level two, it's going to be incredibly hard to get out. So know that that level three, which is there is a plan. There is a strategy. There are always more than two options here. The two options being success or failure, which is a very sort of level two perspective. Um, and unless I can see something beyond a binary in terms of this situation, 
then I know I'm stuck and I, 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 there are strategies available to get me out of that. Let me just look at my questions. Ah, yes. For those of us who like hate money or resent those with money, you know, I talk to a lot of, have a lot of conversations about like those rich people. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, unless you can somehow like make money your mistress and that's not to say, you know, she's or he or two spirit, whatever gender you want to attribute to money or non-binary. Non-binary is always good. Just know that in terms of especially your money strategy and anything. If on some level you can't find a way to love money, it might be a pretty challenging experience for you always. And so by make money your mistress, all I'm saying is like, you don't have to marry the money. You don't have to love the money forever, but there should be fleeting moments of passion and lust and desire and reciprocity, right? Get really clear on, on, I did a, an episode about the mechanics of money, sort of how you're engaging with money and where you want to be. Money isn't something to hate. Money is zeros and ones. It's a make-believe construct. It is a metric like time, like weight. It's just simply a way of measuring like where we're at and where we're going and how to break it down into steps to get there. So if you hate it, it's going to make it really fucking hard. It's like, sure, you can go for a 30 minute run and burn calories, but if you hate running, it's going to suck. Like, why not try a spin class? Or like you can go for a walk. It's just, you're going to need to walk for like 90 minutes to get the same calorie burn. Like these are all just fucking metrics. Like you can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. Choose your poison. How you've been brought up, the way you've experienced money is obviously going to color your experience with it. So if you want to change it, change that narrative. You are not a victim to your past. You're not. And you can do and feel and have a very different experience. But first you need to draw that line in the sand and say like, I'm not going to think about or engage with money the way that I witnessed my caretakers or parents. I am not going to use the metrics that I learned um, in school or on TV. I am not going to be greedy or stingy. And like, I, I want to trust that it's always there. Now, choosing that belief will shift your energetic space. Well, you can step into any level you want at any moment. You might not believe it. You might not know how to truly engage at that level. But the first step is to start to, to choose to want, you know, to fuck that money. (laughs) So, you know, you'll hear again, a lot of like money manifestors and money gurus and magic money. People talk about like, go for a walk in a wealthy neighborhood, go sit in the five-star hotel lobby, like surround yourself with that experience and see like, how does this feel? It might not feel good. Why? Why not? what stories are you telling yourself? What judgment are you casting? Like how level two are you going to be until you kind of get into a space of neutrality and go, you know what? Like if I can't make money, my mistress, then I'm I'm probably never going to have like a sexy orgasmic relationship with money. How important is that to me? 
maybe money is just like a certain number in your bank account and it can be incredibly neutral. You have zero energy around it. If that's what works for you and gets you what you need, fantastic. If you want more money, why? What is it that you want access to? How do you hope that's going to make you feel? What are things that you can do in order to achieve that feeling? Anytime that judgment, that fear, that pain, that resentment pops up, where did that come from? Because if you're listening to this, you want to change that. So I guess I'm fairly confident I've answered the questions that were asked. If this felt like a rant or a ramble, apologies. (laughs) It it was sort of a a less... um, I don't know, strategic discussion around money. I was just attempting to answer some questions, but I, I'm assuming you're still listening for a reason. And it's something I said resonated with you. Again, let me know your cues. I will give you A's. I can talk about money forever. I can also get really specific in terms of financial strategy, in terms of business strategy. I just find that you know what to do with money. The reason you're not doing it is the way you're thinking and feeling about it. And so until you address those issues, and you're, and you're open to the fact that I don't care who you are or how wealthy you are. These, these, these experiences are going to pop up when that level one and that level two show up the poor me or the fuck you or fuck me. <laughs> There's something there. And until you're able to deconstruct that narrative and let it go, it will prevent you from experiencing money in the way that you so desire. So thank you.